Hello and welcome to episode 1122 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Monday, December 19th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, good day, sir. Good morning. Oh, no, afternoon. What? It's afternoon. Um, I'm You're the one that's not finally. I know. I'm not still not uh, used to the uh, our, our, our shift change. Yeah, we don't do um, a ton of day ones. So this, mm-hmm. this is only like our third Monday one, I think. And we missed mm-hmm. Friday. You were under the weather. Glad you're feeling better, by the way. That's why Sunday was also off. But, uh, you know, rallied, getting everything situated here. It's obviously week before Christmas. How are you doing other than the health piece? Uh I'm feeling behind, like, you know, the Christmas shopping or work. Well, I mean, yeah, work like just this constant being sick thing has been uh, put me kind of behind the eight ball on my projections on, um, you know, the articles that I wanted to be writing right now. So I'm mending right now and I've got a lot of really, really like cool stuff planned for the new year and stuff. So people like if you like me um there'll be a lot of me coming because i've already booked like 40 podcasts or something like that for the new year so um you'll be hearing me all over the place uh mostly on this feed and the front space but uh yeah i'm uh i'm i'm chris has kind of snuck up on me man like i i'm telling you 19th man it's this week this is it this is it i'm doing i'm doing pretty good on stuff i need a trip out um today like I get the cold, obviously. I'm I'm familiar with how winter works, but today we got like a massive thunderstorm. It's all rainy and disgusting outside. Mm. I'm like, it's one thing when it's cold, which I obviously don't like, and that's well documented. I'm going out in the rain, so uh, you know I kind of punted on today. I was gonna go in the early afternoon before we potted, and then I was like, okay, well, I'll go tomorrow. So hopefully it isn't as crappy tomorrow because I got to get a few things done, and then I'm then I'm all situated, and then. The following week, starting the 26th, the site will be dark, so do not expect much from us then, if at all. I will be enjoying the time, and hopefully everyone else enjoys their time. Plus, things have really calmed down. We have another moves episode here today. It's going to cover a lot of big moves. But then you go look at the uh, the free agent tracker on Roster Resource and click to the unsigned, and it's not it's not much. Okay, you do the uh, you do the projected war. For the following year, there's only two guys over two war, and that's Gene Segura and Nathan Ivaldi. And then if you round, you get another handful of guys who bump, bump up to two war. Excuse me, Elvis Andrus, uh, Corey Kluber, Michael Conforto, Brandon Drury, and Michael Waka in the 1.5 to 1.9 range. So after today, it's going to have to turn to like the the trade market to really maneuver, maneuver things and have big moves, but. That said, we do still have a lot of moves, especially because we didn't go on Friday. Two big Carlos's signed, and we'll get to yours in a moment. I'm going to keep you waiting just a second to talk about. So they're both mine. One used to be well, mine. Yeah. One is one now lost. Mine. One you gain. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. I was focused on Correa going to your Giants, but uh, let's talk about the one you're losing. Carlos Rodon going to the Yankees. And my standard caveat all the time is, you know, we're not that worried about the term of it uh, in fantasy, especially maybe in, in longer term leagues. Sure. But I do want to talk a little bit about that with regards to uh, Rodon because you are a Giants fan and your team had him. He's awesome. He's looked great these last two years. What would you have felt like if they went six years with him the way the Yankees did? Six years, 162 mil. Ooh, I, six years is a long time for a guy with his health track record. Um, That's kind of how I felt, man. I mean, I understand 
doing it because that's i think what it was going to take like i think he was i i mean reportedly he was looking for a seventh year i know um, i remember so seeing clearly that was nobody like, was giving him a seventh year um so and good for him man like he deserves yeah, to get, get paid. paid yeah get paid. Like, absolutely uh you know would i have loved to see the Giants sign him yes but i knew it was never going to be a possibility considering they were unwilling to give him kevin gosman who's been relatively healthy his entire career um, five years. Mm -hmm. So like they're not giving Rodon six years, much less five years. So like, I mean, and part of that isn't just the player. Uh, I think with the giants, it's what they can do with other players. Like they trust themselves to take mm -hmm. the shots on the next Rodons and the next Gosmans of the world and, and either, uh, you know, get them back to a level in the terms of Gosman or maximize them in terms of, of Rodon. And so I think that's part of why, they're not really going to be interested in that either. Meanwhile, you look at the Yankees, uh, they'd missed out on a bunch of, uh, of the big guys so far, despite, you know, kind of always being in the mix. They did get judge of course, but that wasn't going to be enough to satiate their fans or really put them in a position that they would feel comfortable with. So signing a, a secondary ACE, a lefty to, uh, to Garrett Cole's righty there for that one, two punch is really nice. All of a sudden you're going Cole, Rodon, Severino, Nestor Cortez and Frankie Montas as your top five. That is really strong, particularly if uh, Montas is, is healthy again. But let's talk about Rodon specifically. Of course, he's coming back to the American League after one year with the Giants, an excellent season, 288 ERA, 103 whip, 33% strikeout rate, just a little bit lower than his 35% mark from 2021. The talent's unquestioned. We're not going to sit here and ask, you know, is Carlos Rodon good? We've seen these two years now, 28 uh, ages 28 and 29, they show the guy that we thought he could be back when he was a number three overall pick. It all comes down to the health. Let's say he has a, um, a good bit of health, right? Gets up to 165 plus innings. Okay. What's that look like in New York for Carlos Rodon? I mean, I think he's still clearly an ace. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think obviously uh, leaving San Francisco hurts in terms of heart, but you actually look at his ex home runs. Um, and actually I'll ask you, uh, yeah, I kind of gave it away a little bit there, but he he gave up 12 home runs. Mm -hmm. If he if he had pitched all his games in Yankee Stadium, how many home runs do you think he would have given up? 15. No, fewer. Much fewer. Half is fewer. Six home runs. What? So they so must he, have all been to right feet or left field. So yeah, I mean because he's left-handed, it minimizes the damage. Uh, you know, that that short porch in Yankee Stadium had, yeah, because it'll be lefty lefty, it'll be a lot harder yeah, for, for those lefties to go yard on him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he only gave up two home runs to left handed batters last year, so wow. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think there are gonna be a lot of people who really, really downgrade him because of this, and I think you should downgrade him a little bit, obviously. Um, but in some ways, you maybe shouldn't because while he probably takes a little bit of a hit in the ratios. His ratio has been just absolutely stellar uh, the last, uh, you know, last two seasons. And he's going to go to a much better team that's going to win a ton of games. And we've talked over and over again uh, in the course of us doing projections about like how much your value moves based yeah. on one or two wins. I mean, you could theoretically, he only, you know, in 29 starts last year, he won 14 games. Like I think you can reasonably project him to win 16 games uh, in New York. And I think he, if he stays healthy, he's a legit shot at 20 wins. 
projections. Um, yeah, you don't project Rodon. You don't 20, project that, obviously. But you yeah. know that uh, you know going to this team, <clears throat> there's certainly a chance for him to, uh, to to really jump up in wins and Rodon to have you know kind of a culmination of these last two seasons and and build on top of it for a mega season. We've already seen the sub three ERA twice. We saw a sub one whip in 2021 and then a 103 last year. You know, so sub three ERA, low ones or below one whip, but maybe like uh if he can somehow get, you know, 180 plus innings, would not be surprised if the Yankees were able to push him into that 20 win threshold for Carlos Rodon. So that is definitely huge. And the interesting thing about the park factors, the Yankees park is not particularly bad overall they have a 99 park factor that situates them you know firmly in the middle because there's uh, so many ties um you know they're they're 16th uh but there are five teams that have 99 so they could be 16th or 20th depending on how you look at it's that home run park factor for sure it's a 113 which is eighth in the league these last three years uh, but as you mentioned, Rodon is somebody who could definitely stifle that and not necessarily mm-hmm. get fully punished by it because he is a lefty. So this is a good move. Uh, I wouldn't move him down too much. I'm not sure that I'm necessarily even going to move him down at all. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty big on Rodon and, you know, San Francisco to New York, the perception is huge, but as you're just, as you've just laid out, the reality is that it shouldn't be that big of a move. So I'm going to stick with Rodon where I've got him. Yeah, I probably will too. I'm really interested to see where uh, he ends up in terms of his ADP now. Like, does he fall uh, like a round or two because of the people get scared? Yeah, yep. I, I would I think love the, that. I think people will, you know. Um, Good. And sign, that, sign us up then. Yeah, like even though I'm like not a huge fan of like first year new park yeah. new contract, like I think he's just elite. And I just think if if he has a drop like Gosman did in his first year of Toronto where he starts going like outside the top 20 starting pitchers, like I'm going to be for that all day long. Yeah. I, I, again, you said we share the caution on the first year of a huge deal, but if the price cancels out, cancels out that concern by going too low, I'm right back in. Let's move over back to your team, getting somebody a Carlos. They want, they, then we got, we can only have one Carlos on the team guys. So they got rid of Rodon and they brought in Carlos Correa. You got your big offensive guy here on the big fat deal, 13 years for Carlos Correa. Um, you know, obviously that's a huge outlay uh, on the years, but he is one of the one of the best guys to do it because he's on the right side of 30 for two more years. You get 28 and 29 in there. And he's he's awesome. He's so good. I feel like I feel like in the fantasy world he's so underrated because he doesn't steal. Uh, he literally has six steals since 2017. Okay, sure, I get that. And the health piece, too. I'm not going to pretend it's only the steals and bury my head in the sand on the health piece. But the skills themselves are unimpeachable for Carlos Rodon. It's just a matter of, of what you're going to get volume-wise, and we don't really know. But I like him going out to San Francisco, and I'm not particularly worried about that part necessarily. Uh, I think this is a good move for your boys. What did you think about him? Uh, first, as a fan. Well, right, right when you saw it, what was your first instinct uh, as a fan of the Giants, and a, uh, not a fan of uh, Correa? Uh, yeah, they speak so boldly and tell you and say that about you because you've never been his biggest fan. No, um, this I mean, this is really bittersweet for me to be quite frank. Like it, um, as a fan, it's nice to see the team go out and spend money um, because we've we've done really no major. Um, pickups in the last few years i mean outside of rodon uh you know kind of on a cheap you know two-year deal without with the opt-out after one which he opted out for Mm -hmm. um 
like we haven't had like a major signing like this. Not not to say we haven't tried. I just sure. think, especially from the hitter side, hitters don't want to go to San Francisco. And I think a lot of people are going to say, like, oh, it was an overpay. Um, and, you know, it's way too many years. I think that's the only way you get hitters to come to a park like San Francisco or with a team like San Francisco. It'd be one thing if they were winning. Um, but I think they needed to kind of make this win the same way that the Padres did with Manny Machado a few years ago, right? Yes. Like, they were willing to shell out huge money early on the hopes that, hey, in a couple of years, we're going to compete with, with, with Machado. And it's worked out really well for them. Uh, and I think the Giants are kind of doing the same thing. Hopes that, like, one, they can, they've got talent coming up through the minors. Um, and two, that this one signing may open up the floodgates for other people to want to come to San Francisco. Uh, so as a fan, like, I was like, hey, they, they went out and did something. It's not the guy I wanted. Um, it wasn't even like the top shortstop that I wanted. Uh, but they, they, hey, they went out and did something. They went after Judge. I'm glad I didn't get that contract. I think Korea's contract will age better than, than Judge's, even though it's five years longer, mm-hmm. maybe four years longer. I can't remember how many years now Judge's. But um, from an analyst perspective, uh, from a fantasy player's perspective, um, I hate this. This is awful. Um, it, the Giants are not in a position to compete right now. Uh, adding Correa, adding three Correas right now wouldn't make them the That's second best team true. in the division. That uh, is verifiably false. Um, well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Dodgers here in a minute. Cause yeah. I, I don't know what the fuck they've been doing this offseason. <laughs> chilling. <laughs> yeah. Obviously you're looking up at the Padres right now. Oh, Instead of the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers yeah. are kind of on their own pedestal. So I think if I'm the Giants, I'm comparing myself to the Padres. I don't know. I don't think you guys are that far off of them offensively. Well, here, here, here's a well. I, off of the Padres, you don't definitely... think there's going to be any rebound? Like I think you're just going off of last year. Are you just completely ignoring what what y'all did in 2021 when you won 107 games? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Well, that's insane. No, it's not. It's yes, it is. is. So they shouldn't have won 90 games, which is 107. Um, but like, no, they're, they're, I mean, they're not even close to being on par with San Diego. I, I don't believe. Uh, can they compete? Yes, because there's an extra wild card, um, which gives them the opportunity. But like, serious You're wildly question, overrating San Diego's offense right now. I, Why? It is half a lineup, dude. Nola Grisham, Camposano, and Azakar are the bottom half. That of the is lineup. still four pieces better than the Giants lineup, which has just one player in it. No, no, it's not. I mean, stop. Like, um, you know, it, it's this it's isn't like when you play game. like backyard baseball with your friends and you hit, and then someone there's a ghost runner and he gets to go. Correa gets to go hit again. Like it's you got Correa, Hanniger, Peterson, Estrada. Yastrzemski. Like, it's not an amazing lineup. J.D. Davis was smacking the hell out of the ball. Like, I'm not sitting here saying it's a great lineup. I just think you're wildly overrating uh, the Padres. I know the Padres lineup doesn't have Tatis yet, so that will change. What team is better right now, the Giants or the Diamondbacks? I like that Diamondbacks squad. I really do. The fact you're thinking about it tells me the Giants shouldn't make a move like that. No, like, that's so stupid to say that they shouldn't have made a move like this, though. What? When do you start? Like, when do you make moves then? Like, I, I could not disagree with you more because then you'd have been saying the same thing about the Tigers last year if they'd done this move, and I couldn't disagree with that more. Like, 
when are you supposed to? Like when you have everything in place, that's not how it works. When you have you something got, in place, they have nothing. They in do place. have something in place. A, an amazing structure of how they build and develop players, right? Like that's part of how they were able to win. Hundred. I can't believe I have to gas you up on your own fucking team. This is insane. Like, look what they do. I just got done talking about it with the Rodon thing. Look what they do with pitching. They got the Manian Stripling deals, which I, I like both of those uh, to go with Webb, Cobb, and Wood because I like of what the moves they, they made. To do. I like, like the of up. course you sign a twenty-eight-year-old like this. A hundred percent. The pirates should have been in on this. In fact, they were rumored at one point, and people were making fun of that. And I'm like, well, when do they start then? Like, we can't out of one sides of our mouth make fun of the teams that sit out the off season after off season, and then the other side, you know, when they get rumored in, say, well, what are they doing? What are they going to do? Sign Correa? It's like, yeah, they're going to sign Correa. I think this is exactly the right move that any team should have done for Correa, let alone the Giants, who are at least in the, the stratosphere of competition. They were 500 last year and 107 wins the year before that. I don't know, man. Like, this is a Giants team, right? Like, the Giants are never superstar laden. So they got a superstar with Correa, but then the rest of the team is Giants as hell. Estrada, Yastrzemski, Peterson, Haneker, B. Craw, J.D. Davis, Lamont Wade, and, and Joey Bart. Like, you know, three of those guys are going to have out of nowhere seasons because that's the the Giants' way. Uh, the pitching staff is good; it, it needs to stay healthy, which is a big challenge. But they got Junis and Descofani as backups there, so they run seven deep right now. Um, you got Elliot Ramos coming up uh, as as a prospect who's who's on the cusp. They don't have a ton of great prospects. So I'm, again, I'm not I'm not trying to overstate them, but I think you're way too down on your ball club. And maybe this is just like you know, fandom. Uh, we're a little too close to it, maybe. Yeah, I'm a little too close. I'm, you know, not that far removed from three championships, and I go, this isn't a championship caliber team. So those were I'm, championship caliber teams. They worked. They absolutely. That's worked. my point, though. So why so, are you? What, what standard are you holding this team I, to? I, like, I, I get on one level, you're not expecting that to happen again, so you are holding it to a higher standard than those than those three championship winners. I, I do get that, but I know I, as a non-fan of the Giants give them a lot of trust of what they're able to do when they can milk the best of their guys. And if y'all spike some good health next year, which will not be easy. It is still an old team. I, I grant all the flaws here. Again, I'm not trying to say this is a great team. I'm not trying to say they're on the par with the Dodgers, but I feel like you're thinking that they're way down in the dumps. And I think they're right there. I think they're not that far behind San Diego. And I think they're right there with the D-backs. So I do think it's a good, good club. And I like that. You I think they're right up. there with the D-backs. I, I obviously have a much higher opinion of, of, of the Padres than you do. So um, well, I like the Padres pitching. Um, I, I, and again, put Tatis in there after a month, right? He comes back on, mm -hmm. on the 30th and that does lengthen, but that's still a third of the lineup that sucks. And listen, I love our boy. We, we've been on the Hassan Kim train from day one. He was a 105 WRC plus last year. So, you know, he's not a superstar either. So it maybe is still, even when you put Tatis back in there, it's five great and four mediocre to bad players, depending on what Grisham can do this year and, and where Nola's at and where Kim himself is at. But I don't think there's some set in stone, um, un unimpeachable ball club there in San Diego. Yeah. So bottom line here, let's uh, bottom line it with Carlos Correa at shortstop. He already goes late because of shortstop's depth mm -hmm. and the aforementioned um, underrating of him that I believe is is part partly due to that depth, but again partly due to the fact that he's just he's he's way too hammered for not stealing, um, and so he just slides down that shortstop ranking. Where do you think Correa goes from here? He's 14th 
shortstop off the board right now. I can't really see him going much later than that. Tommy Edmond and Ahmed Rosario, Nico Horner are the three behind him. Does he start to trickle up or which with Pena, Adamas, and Bogarts ahead of him? Or does he just kind of stay right here in the 13 to 16 range for Carlos Correa? What do you think? Um, I'm, I'm pulling up the ADP because what, what do you have your AP, ADP? I mean, I, I, said, I accidentally did it from 12 10 because I was looking at a gladiator okay. thing. There was only one DC for that. And I now did all of December. There's only four. Um, but yeah, he's 15th. Carlos Gray is 15th at, at pick 127. 15th. And again, but look, that speaks to the depth of shortstop because 15 go in the top 127. Like that's pretty crazy. There's no other position except probably outfield and pitcher that has 15 go. Uh, you know, the 15th first baseman is 171. The 15th second baseman is 190. Like, I mean, it uh, feels like a steal. I mean, like, it really does. But I mean, it's still a relatively high pick, but it is the 15th shortstop off the board. If you wait and you quote unquote get stuck, with Correa, you don't feel bad at all, do you? No, I mean he's probably gonna hit third in that lineup, and um, yeah, like I, as much as I hate on Correa before, like I, I think the main question is, like, do you have other your other bases covered? Because he's not gonna steal any bases, like you mentioned. Um, and, and the volume could be light. The volume is you have to plan for a lighter. Uh, it, it could it, become an issue, but I think he represents the last guy of like the. I want this guy at shortstop. That's my main shortstop. Yep. Shortstop is really, really good. The position, but there are, there is a real distinct drop off between, you know, and like I said, I think Correa is probably the last guy of that uh, before you start going into like, I know Nico Horn is getting a lot of love. So is Rosario, Uh, by the way. So maybe uh, other people might say those two are the cutoff. I'm kind of, well, Correa isn't a cutoff for me because I have him higher. But I get in the terms of this ADP, I agree. Yeah. Like when you're looking at it, that is the last guy that I would want as my number, as my my primary shortstop. Yeah. Like I like Mud Rosario. So like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like hating on like ending up with him. But, but the rest like, of your team better be so crisp if he's your yeah. starting shortstop. I think if if Correa is your starting shortstop, that your team should be better be pretty crisp because there yeah, is there's risk there with the playing time. I mean, this is a guy that's only gotten over 600 play appearances twice in his career. Um, I don't think the park's going to hurt him as much as, you know, probably people are going to make it out to be. You look at the X home runs, he would have had two more home runs in San Francisco than in Houston. So I think he'll be fine in terms of the power. The question is, like, how many games can we reasonably project Correa mm-hmm. to play? Like, how many, you know, are we projecting him to get to 600 plate appearances? Uh, so I don't think just short of it this year, I think it's yeah. fine to project 600 or 575. Or, I project 140 games, you know, yeah. you know, whatever that, whatever that brings him to. That's about what, you know, just loosely do four plate appearances per. I'm in the 560. I'm in the upper 500s, but I can't go 600 on Correa. I got to be cautious. And then if I can spike a 600 the way he had 640 in 2021, great. But he only has, Correa only has two 600 plus plate appearance seasons. So, yeah. He's hey, 10 he's yeah, and he's relatively really healthy the last three seasons. So oh, I think God, the this turntables have turned that you are now arguing the health of Carlos Correa. I <laughs> love this. I, I mean, I don't think it's something you want to like, um, like go overboard on. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think 
Uh, I think he and the Giants are very cautious with guys, you know, and they're going to be very cautious with him. They've got to sign for a long time. So, like, I think he'll get regular days off. And even if he is completely healthy, like, I think max 140 is the kind of like game totals we're looking at for Correa uh, this season. Let's shift back to fan mode for you real quick when I ask okay. this question. Would you rather your favorite team have signed this next guy, Dansby yes. Swanson, yes. for 7177, which, by the way, I thought it was signed, sealed, and delivered that he was going to get 200, which I thought would have been a mistake to go 200 on Dansby. So the fact that he came in at 7-177, that's pretty good. I, like Even acknowledging that you know he had the perfect spike year going into free agency, so you have to pay full freight on that. And and I am a little bit nervous that he's probably more of a, a, a three-win guy. But, hey, the loose calculation of dollars per war is around 8 mil. If you're a three-win guy, that's about 28 mil or 24 mil, excuse me. That that's twenty five million a year, you know, right there. So I really didn't mind this deal. And you said yes, as a fan, you would have rather your team sign seven for for one seventy seven for Swanson. Is it simply because of the term, or do you have some feeling about him uh, that you like him a little bit better as well over over Correa? What do you think about Swanson? I don't think they're that different of players. Um, I honestly, I mean, I don't. I, I I'd much rather have the shorter term. Um, literally half the term. Yeah. Uh, Plus the hair. I mean, dude, I mean, come on. You can go from Brandon Crawford, like, you know, in his hair at shortstop for the last decade or so. Um, you could have been a good passing of the torch. You're right. Yeah. Right. Could you imagine both of those hairs playing short on the left side? Oh man. How are you? How do you even concentrate as a left-handed hitter, looking right at that? Like that just, you don't. Um, you don't. So, I mean, if you're on the field, even yeah. even at first base, whoever you guys got at first base, I, maybe he's get caught looking over there, just yeah. admiring it, right? It's and maybe just, that's why they didn't go for it. They knew, uh, especially because you know, casual weather is such a big thing. It's you got to be careful. The can be blowing everywhere. This is why uh, Brennan Crawford weighs it down with that product and stuff. So, um, smart. no, I would have, I would have, I would have rather had Swanson. Um, it's really funny that like it came down to my Giants getting the two guys I've shit and on you the most. Crapped on so <laughs> much in recent years. If Corey Seager had somehow gotten involved, we would have had like a really, really fun. I wish y'all um, had been discussion. in heavy talks for him last year, missed out yeah. on him, and then fell back to the mm-hmm. other two guys that you've that you've crushed. So again, I mentioned big career season, six win campaign, six six point four, you know, right there uh on the cusp of a seven win season, 25 homers. 18 steals, 96 ribbies, 99 runs, hitting 277. Just excellent, excellent stuff out of Swanson at age 28. Uh, 27 homers and nine steals the year before. Another good fantasy season, even though he only hit 248. He's been a solid fantasy asset now pretty much since 2019, because even then, 17 homers, 10 steals, 251. That wasn't too bad, and he wasn't terribly expensive. Is this a new level? Or was it just a spike year where he played every game and everything went well for Dansby Swanson? Or do you believe he can be like a 25-15 kind of – I mean, he had he had 18, but I, I, do you have him in the mid-20s with upper teens steals again? Or do you think he settles back down closer to 2021's numbers, which, again, were actually two more homers, but uh, nine fewer steals and 30 points fewer batting average? So this is interesting because, like, you and I talked recently uh, when Wilson Contreras signed – with uh the the cardinals and um and we were kind of like oh well it's a bad park factor and then we looked up like last year's park factors actually like 
it would have been really friendly in St. Louis for him, uh, but not very friendly in, in uh, Chicago. And so when I kind of looked up like the park factors on Swanson, I was expecting to say, oh, this is going to be really bad for him considering last year. But uh, in Chicago, his next home runs would have been 33 home runs. Oh, wow. Chicago. So power play. I, a lot more there. Yeah, I think his power is going to play just fine there. Uh, and Chicago was fourth in the major leagues in terms of stolen bases. Uh, so I so they let their guys run. And they let their guys run. Now that may slow down as they become a little bit more competitive. Maybe they're sure. not as willing to push it on the base pass. Maybe they don't want the guy they just gave one hundred seventy-seven million dollars to uh, push <laughs> it as much on the trouble. base pass. And so, like in my chat today, someone asked me, like, "Hey, what do I expect from Swanson?" I said, "I think twenty-seven, fifteen. Um, is about where I'll be 250 ish batting average. Uh, like I, I do believe kind of in the talent there. Um, and the one thing that he has done, uh, the last few years is stay on the field. Uh, you know, we're talking you know, 162 games last year, 160 the year before, 60 in the 60 game season. That was an issue for him earlier on in his career. He's having trouble staying on the field. He's a fantastic defender. Um, yeah, this is a great deal for Chicago. Honestly, I read, you know, I think him and Crail, like, I don't think there is as much of a difference as maybe other people do. Uh, I would have rather had Swanson, and that is a weird thing to say. I was, uh, I was certainly impressed with what the Cubs ended up paying him because, again, mm -hmm. I was really dead set that it was going to be like 200 plus mil. And I, I, I just, I would have been nervous on that, uh, especially if it would have been like a, a double-digit term as well. If they'd have gone, you know, uh, over two hundred and and eight, nine, ten years, I don't know about that. But seven, one seventy-seven, good job, Cubs. Considering what Bogarts and that's Turner what I'm saying. and where everyone Rhea. else was, I um, thought for sure his was going to be sky high, and it ended up being pretty reasonable. So yeah. good, good on the Cubs. With I'm that. surprised Swanson didn't actually get that from somebody. Like, I, th I thought he would, but I guess it wasn't out there. Other teams realized, hey, maybe we don't want to go too crazy here. Um, let's talk Dodgers. You mentioned that you're not uh, entirely sure what they're doing. They're playing in the uh, in the shallower end right now. They're not they're not going out and getting the big pieces. They've they've been in the rumors of some of the bigger guys, but never really to the finish line. So instead, they make a couple small moves here. We'll get to, we'll get to the pitcher first. Noah Syndergaard going out there. The second a pitcher goes out there, they're back on everyone's radar. Obviously, this happened with your boy Heaney, and it will happen with Noah Syndergaard for sure. We talk about the fact that he does not have Thor's hammer anymore, though. Can they rediscover it? And I don't necessarily—I don't necessarily mean so much the curveball, which is what people normally call a hammer. I mean his velo, his power. We have not seen the power from Thor in recent years. The injuries have piled up. He still throws, you know, 94 and a half. That's not bad, Velo. But when you're talking about somebody who used to average 100 and then uh, even in the 98 range for a couple of years, 18 and 19, and then now has been down in the mid, the 94 mile an hour range, 94.5 last year, it's just not as good. His strikeout rate was 17% last year, 9% swinging strike rate. Can the Dodgers rediscover the swing and miss for Syndergaard and bring him back up to the Thor that we used to know and love? If, the Do or if anybody can, the Dodgers can, but I have to see it first. Like I have to see some reading. The Velo is a huge issue, um, yeah, which is time. super concerning because typically 
Vilo is the first thing that comes back after Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. and it is not. It, like I mean, we're, we're and we're not just talking about on the fastball on every single pitch. Um, and until I see that Vilo back, uh, I am going to stay far away from. Him, even though he is on the Dodgers, uh, and the Dodgers are miracle workers in terms of pitchers, uh, especially guys who have had injuries and a little bit older. Uh, I just I need to see the Vilo back. He lost a ton, Thor did, off that slider. You, that's a yeah. great point to point out that it's not just the fastball. And in fact, you can make a case that's a bigger deal on the slider. You're going yeah, from absolutely. 89 to 85. That's a four-mile dip. And that 89 was in 2019. It was 90-plus the years before that. So it, that know, is it a was the, huge fall-off. It was the slider-fastball combination which made him Thor. Yes. Right? Like, it was – you know, not only did you have to look out for 99, you also had to look out for this amazing wipeout slider um, that would go past most hitters anyway. So um, until I see the Velo back, like I just, I'm not going to touch it. I hear you on, on wanting to see the Velo back. I think the price is fine to where I would still buy sight unseen because the second that he does come into, you know, a spring training game. He's throwing 97. Well, there goes that price. So, you know, he's a 392 ADP right now in the last four draft champions. I I, I will take that shot uh, that, you know, he's in that late round there where one thing that we've talked about in recent years is, is not dismissing the notion that veterans have upside too. And uh, I think this is an instance where a veteran has some upside, just like we said last year with Heaney. I do trust the Dodgers. It isn't great, but even with the, the lower velo and the crappy strikeout rate, he was still a 394 ERA, 125 whip for Thor. So even if that's all I got with that late pick, I could still work with that. It's not going to kill me, but I'm going to take a few shots on Thor in the winter here in case he gets back and then everybody goes crazy for him. Sure. What about what about JD? JD Martinez signed to be their DH. This is another guy that people are hoping to get back. He also lost power. Obviously, it's a little bit different hitter versus pitcher. But now this is two of the last three seasons. I know 2020 isn't a season, and we gave him a nice pass for 2020 uh, when when JD Martinez's ISO went down to 175 after being in the you know upper 200s, low or actually it was actually high 300s in 2017. That was a crazy spike season. He usually lives in like the uh, mid to upper 200s for ISO, which is true premium power. 175 is very unimpressive. Okay, there was no video. We gave him a pass. He bounced back to 232 ISO in 2021. Boom, J.D. Martinez is back. Uh-oh, fake out. 174 ISO last year, back down to shit. 35 years old, can the Dodgers rediscover J.D. Martinez's power? I'm skeptical because I don't think this is a matter of, like, he's missing something. I think this is just father time catching up with J.D. Martinez. Like, the bat speed just isn't there. Uh, I like hate father time. Yeah. He doesn't do anything good. No. He's I mean, a he, bad makes a, father. he makes a great beard, which some some chicks are into that. But that's um, fair. That's fair. You know, yeah, people like that. Uh, okay. But that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's no, it. He, a great beard. But other than that, he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Ruining people's careers and shit. And he's undefeated. He never even loses. He never tries to lose. Mm-hmm. Never gives any sort of reprieve. Um, yeah, 16 homers, 62 ribbies, 40, uh, excuse me, 76 runs. That's 43 doubles. Doubles power was still there, you know, and having the green monster probably helped with that for JD as well. 139 games. You're definitely baking in some missed time. I think you go with a, a 135, 140 game projection. Um, but if that power doesn't return, that's a pretty bland UT only guy, right? Because uh, JD did not keep outfield, if I recall correctly. Yeah, no, he didn't play a single game in the outfield last so, year. So 
that's um, that's one thing that was awesome about him last year was that he regained mm-hmm. outfield and so you can go back for him so everyone was interested in jd and then he has a crap season and now he's dh util only again so that that's a double pain for me with uh with jd yeah uh and i mean you kind of hate this for the dodgers because or for other dodgers players because now like yep. does will smith get a lot of dh at bats now nope, um, he will not uh, that being said, like his ex home runs in Dodger Stadium would have been twenty four, which okay. is pretty so that's, good. That's eight um, more. Yeah, that's that's fifty so, percent jump. Yeah, I think maybe a lot of those uh, a lot of those home runs that hit the monster and didn't go over it. Like mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe would have been home runs in, in Dodger Stadium. Like I think he's a guy I'm okay betting on because I you know I'm, pick two fifty ish two fifty three. That's. Uh, with, Last That's four DCs. Fine. You're talking about a guy who was like a top 50, top 75 pick um, previously. So, like, yeah, I mean, I think you take the gamble, uh, especially because there are going to be leagues where he really, really drops a lot being PH only. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are some people who just refuse to put him in their lineup if they don't have, you know, if he doesn't have a position. So I think he's worth a gamble. I, I prefer him in, in leagues where I can drop him if he is just washed. Yeah, uh, but I also think like even if even if he is just what we saw last year, like that's still a, a usable player in some in, in yeah. deeper format. So I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's the thing too. It's like uh, you know, it's not the end of the world in deep, but uh, in those shallower formats, tens and twelves, not so much with JD, especially with util yeah. only. So it'll it'll depend on the league. It'll depend on the price. I, I still have a lot of allegiance for him from his Tigers days, and so. I got to make sure I don't have that bias infiltrating too much when I'm, when I'm drafting. And usually I'm able to keep it at bay. I don't, I don't just go around drafting tigers and former tigers willy nilly, but uh, I'm rooting for him for sure. Let's go to his former team here. They, they were in the news big time. We didn't get to Masataka Yoshida because that happened after our last episode as well. And then they had another signing and a key DFA, but let's talk about Yoshida coming over from NPB. He's a really interesting player. Uh, I watched a video on him by Jolly Olive who does, uh, does great videos on YouTube, breaking down different baseball stuff. And what I came away with, like looking at the stats and everything, is he's got like a little bit of a, a Verdugo type of type of vibe to him with, uh, you know, the plate skills look great, but it's not a ton of pop. It's more pop for over there, but the way the power I expect to translate, he looks like he could be Verdugo-esque to me. What do you think of Masataka Yoshida coming over to Boston on a five-year deal? That's literally the comp I've been using. Is okay, perfect. So we're so, on the same page um, there. Uh, yeah, I, I've talked about him a few times now on pods, and yeah, I, th- I think he's Verdugo as uh, probably teens power, um, like pre steroids, Melky Cabrera. So like five okay. to seven stolen bases, like fifteen to seventeen home runs, two sixty to seventy batting average, but. He's going to walk a fair amount, like you, you know, uh, and so get on base. Uh, right now, we haven't projected a lead off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, that's a lot of runs on a team. Wait, I'm uh, a dumbass. We did talk about him. Okay, that's what I you, thought. You, I, thought I, I thought so, too, but you know what happens? He doesn't have a player page yet. Yeah. So when I went to his player page to see if he was in there, he can't link. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry about that. You know, you could finish your piece there, but I was looking it up. I was like, I thought we did talk about it, but maybe I'm just going crazy. No. So we, we did it, and I'm very sorry about that. You know what tipped me off? I was like, I thought I re- referenced that video earlier, which I did, and it was on this show. So sorry about that. Like I said, until he gets a player page, he doesn't link, 
So I didn't, I couldn't find if we had talked about him. So my fault on that. But anyway, are you interested in drafting him? Are you more interested now than you were 10 days ago when we talked about him? I, I mean, I'm interested depending on where the price ends up being. Let's I think as we start to see more drafts finish, because um, I think Mike Curlin said he was in a draft where, like, right after he signed, he went, like, 110 or something like that. Like, if he's that high, there's no effing way. Um, no, I'm not taking that side. Unseen. No. I would rather just draft um, – uh, I would rather just draft what's his face? Um, yeah. Uh, Verdugo at but that I, point. Yeah, I assume his ADP is going to be around, like, pick 200-ish. He's 214 in the last, and I know Gladiator is not the perfect comp, but just mm-hmm. to get more recent data, in the last 14 Gladiators, he's picked 214 for Yoshida. That sounds about right. Like, and okay. I, I'm okay with that. Like, it, you know, he, re- but he's a guy because he's not going to hit for a ton of power, or at least it doesn't seem like he's going to hit for a ton of power. He's not going to steal very many bases. Like, he really is the kind of guy you, if you need runs and you need potential batting average, like that's like, and, but that's, he's like, He's probably a poor hands, Alex Verdugo. Like I think Alex Verdugo still has some upside in him. So um Yoshida could too, but we just don't know. He's an unknowing yeah. Verdugo, right? He's so if you're really not little. What's that? He's really yes, little. He's very little. He's listed five yeah. eight, which means yeah. he might be like five six. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, you're right on that. There is some risk. And again, we did talk about him a couple episodes ago. Pardon me on that. Let's talk about their other signing then. Justin Turner is gonna join the club. Um to be DH only. So they went, they, you know, they got rid of their other DH only. I imagine he'll mix in every once in a while, I think at first and third, but uh, with Devers and Casas there, it looks like essentially to be a, a primary DH for uh, Justin Turner. He leaves the Dodgers for the Red Sox. What do you think of Justin Turner coming to the, coming to the American league, back to the American league. He started with Baltimore. Some people don't mm-hmm. remember that. So he's coming back to the there. American league uh, 50 million years later here. 2009 was when he debuted with Baltimore. Are you excited by this? He'll be 38 still puts up numbers. It's all about the volume though, right? 128 games this last year, but 151 the year before that 42 out of the 60 season, 135, 103. Don't bet on a 151. If you get lucky, cool. But what do you think of Justin Turner in Boston? Yeah, I mean, I think you're projecting like 130, but like maybe if he is the DH every day as opposed to playing the field, there's a chance he stays healthier for longer. Yep. But learning a lot of his injuries has been running with aces and stuff like that. Um, man, you know what the first thing I thought of was now they're going to trade Devers, aren't they? I mean, now it would not surprise me because now, now they can trade Devers, right? They got Justin Turner to man third base, and now God, they can... right. That would kill Red Sox fans. <laughs> but like, with the way they've been going, right? I know. That, I don't think you're wrong to broach that subject because the way, like you said, the way so, they've been going, the way they've been just like being very bizarre and, and kind of playing like a mid-low market team, we don't know what the hell they're doing. Instead of ponying up for Devers, maybe this is their impetus to trade him. You you might be right there. Are you interested yeah. in Turner? He, he doesn't, he hasn't gone very I'm much. Always, I'm always interested in Justin Turner. Like, I feel like he's perpetually underrated. Always mm. fairly priced because obviously he gets older year after year and the injuries. I feel like the market always gets him right with a fair enough discount or, or even is too low on him. It's rare that you go, Justin Turner, oh my God, he's going way too high. And just in those four DCs uh, from December, he's been picked 319. I mean, you could raise that 100 picks and it's not even crazy. He won't. He won't go up to 219, I don't believe. But even if you did, I mean, that would put him around Cattell Marte, who's also an injury concern, uh, Ramon Laureano, an injury concern, Josh Naylor, a platoon guy. 
That's with a hundred pick boost. He's going yeah. outside the top three hundred right now. Are you going to be drafting Justin Turner? Yeah, yeah, I'll for sure have him on some teams. You know, I mean, he started off slow last year, um, and the power definitely wasn't what we kind of hoped for, uh, even you know, even kind of in a shortened season because of injuries. But I mean, he hit 318, 384, 503 from August first on. It was only five home runs, uh, but there was two stolen bases thrown in there. Uh, he's going to hit probably fourth in this lineup, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and once they trade Devers, they'll probably hit third. Um, God, I feel bad for Red Sox. I mean, I don't feel bad for Red Sox fans. Because I don't feel bad for they, them they, They've sure. gotten to win quite a bit, and they're, yeah, they're pretty obnoxious. They're Especially um, if they're fans of all their Boston teams. Yeah, like crying. they've won a lot. Yeah, but I'm crying for them. But it is bizarre. And Heimbloom is, is so losing weird. some love out there because it's they don't know what he's doing. Fault. Like, I know he it, gets it likely isn't, right? The, but the owners have a good way of putting that shit onto the GM's table. Oh my God. Like, I've. Because I'm seeing Bloom everywhere. I don't see John Henry getting heat. I see Heim Bloom getting yeah. all the heat on Twitter and such. So I, I agree with you. It probably isn't him. Usually their hands are tied, but he's catching the flag. Yeah, if if they end up like trading or just not re-signing Devers, like I just, I don't know what they're doing. How do you? And then this you know, is like the worst team in the division, right? Like I mean, oh easily. And I mentioned a DFA, and it's not even the one that people think. I think people thought I was going to reference the Jeter Downs one, which just makes the the um that's trade look yeah. even worse. But I was going to bring up Hosmer. We will talk Jeter Downs. I'll add him here in a second. We'll talk. But let's talk about uh Eric Hosmer getting DFA. First off, that's hilarious. Mm -hmm. uh, get smoked, idiot. But what do you think about that? You think anybody should pick him up? Somebody, mean, somebody will, some, but but are you interested will. by that? Like I guess if it would have to depend on the situation, but I wouldn't I wouldn't even care. I wouldn't even care. If he goes somewhere and he, like he goes to Pittsburgh and he's gonna be the everyday start, the wrong team because they got G Man Choi. But if he went to and some Carlos Santana, yeah, that's right. So if he went to some clown team where he could start every day, I still wouldn't be interested because my man cannot hit for power at first base, and I just I'm not interested the, in Eric Hosmer. Outside of an only league or like super league and draft champions, where sometimes you just need at bats, yeah, and you yeah, just want somebody I, I, who plays. I just don't think he's viable. I mean, in in ninety percent of leagues, I just don't think he's viable anymore. Yep. Yep. So let's talk to Jeter Downs one, because again, that was a pretty stunning DFA, mostly because of what it means for the bets deal, right? He was kind of the piece. If you go look at his stats, you shouldn't be surprised by the DFA. This guy is a weird player. Like fantasy people were probably like, wait a minute, that guy, you know, he had 16 homers and 18 steals and 81 games at AAA last year. Why, why was he getting cut? Let me just double that up. Yeah, right. It came with a 197, 316, 412 line. And all, even though it was only 41 plate appearances in the majors, he struck out 51% of the time, Justin. He gives new meaning to all or nothing. Like, it, it, it's it's at an extreme level I've never seen. Even Joey Gallo is like, whoa, dude, you, you got to chill a little bit with this swing and miss. Because at least Gallo walks um, in that major league sample, which, again, was very tiny at 41 plate appearances. He had a 2% walk rate. In the AAA sample where he uh, had the 16 homers and 18 steals, Jeter Downs had a 30% K rate and an 11% walk rate. And I'm sorry, that's just not tenable. You can do that in the majors, 30 and 11. That that will get you by in the majors. But in the in AAA, no shot. So he was DFA. He's 24. I think at this point, somebody would have to remake him. I, I don't think this is a tweak. I think this is a rebuild uh, of a player if you're talking about Jeter Downs and, and acquiring him. Somebody will, but uh, I won't be interested until I actually see something. 
listen, I mean, Jeter Downs, there has to be something that the organization has seen for them to do this because he's 24 years old and I, I don't care like how much he has struck out over the last two years or whatever. Um, but they do care. That's the thing. You can't, re- you don't rebound from that. I, but I'm sorry. Like he's 24. You can't tell me that there isn't a place on the 40 man for this guy. Like he's got options. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's out of options. Like you're they not the spot we just, though. We just talked about this team is the worst team in the AL East, right? I agree, but they needed the Rob Ref Snyder. They like, got Rob yeah. Ref Snyder and Emmanuel Valdez, and uh, you know Valdez is at least twenty four. Like he could yeah. be part of the future. Rob right? is thirty two. To your point, like I, you just can't. They've got thirty year old relievers on the forty man. Like. You just can't tell me that those but guys. What are you clinging to with him? Guys do not rebound from this. This is why, and it's it's not to the same degree. I'm not going one to one on these guys, but this is why I have virtually no hope for Kelnick, because there isn't a path back from this kind of strikeout rate that we've seen. It is unprecedented to rebuild from that kind of strikeout rate. Now, Downs only has 50 games or 41 plate appearances at the majors. That's nothing. So again, he and Kelnick are not Kelnick, doing a one to one here. And I but, and I'm not over Kelnick. Like I I I believe Kelnick. I, I, Kelnick's I am over issues Kelnick. have not been in the minors. He has not had those strikeout rates in the minors. No, but like they've that, been in the majors and they've been really bad. But they've been super small samples. Oh boy, I don't know, man. You can't find me. I, I can't get his numbers right now for some reason. Our site is uh, is lagging on me. How many plate appearances does he have as a major leaguer? Uh, I, I did the research earlier this year. It, you know, it's 558. I, you find me somebody who's rebuilt from a 30% K rate into something viable. He doesn't have enough power to out hit it. And again, I shouldn't have invoked the name of Kelnick because I don't think they're a one to one. Kelnick has more viable major league skills. But as far as downs, I get what you're saying about the age and then the optics of it being that he was in the bets deal, but I just don't know what you're clinging to. And I think they just decided to cut bait and say, we're not we're I mean, not gonna I, try this. He has no I, hit tool. He he golf swings. You know how you're talking about an uppercut swing? This yeah. is it's it's different than uppercut. It is a golf swing because he's always trying to go yard. Every single swing is him trying to go yard cheater downs. So I get it to a degree. I understand the bad look of it because he was the piece of the. the... To me, I don't care about like the bad look of it. The bad look of it is like I'm fine. Like if that's if that's the only thing holding you back is the bad look of it, then let that guy go. Okay, then I'm down with letting him go because that was the only thing that might have held me me back. To me, it's like why not like try to figure something out with him as a 24 year old. Maybe um, they did, as opposed to. A 32-year-old. We know you're going to be a bad team. With like, Rob Refsnyder. I got team. you on that part. The, the Ref Snyder, I would want to know the Ref Snyder versus Downs discussion, right? Yeah. And maybe they just said, because, hey, I gave you just the AAA last year. AAA in 2021 was 190, 272, 333 with 14 homers, 18 steals, 32% K, and 9% walk. The same shit. Like yeah. He's done this. Like it was actually a good bit worse, to be honest. In 2021, it was a 62 WRC plus. At least last year was a 95. So he improved, but to not even average. And I think they just realized what they had here was was untenable. I, again, I do get your point with him versus Ref Snyder. If you're going to be a team that's on the lower end here, why would you keep some crusty, uh, uh, you know, journeyman? No offense, Rob Ref Snyder. I know you listen to the show every once in a while. I love you, yeah. Dog. But you know. 
why would you keep him over Downs? I understand with the seven-year difference. But as far as the talent, I don't think you can necessarily say that they're yeah, that far I mean, apart. No, I'm sure you're not. But, I mean, one one is clearly we know for sure that we know Rob Restleiter is, yeah. is Rob Restleiter. Wait a minute. But, what if he holds that 394 Babbitt from last year? You didn't think about that, did you? I, You know what? I didn't. I, I didn't. <laughs> and, and, you know, and we may at this point know who Jeter Downs is, but, like, I don't know. Maybe just, like, as a, like, like he's a halfway decent defender. Like, are you going to be intrigued when some crap team gets him? Probably not. Okay. So I mean, like, if, he, if he has a if he has a real opportunity for a role, but he's got options. So I think whatever team grabs him, send him down to the minors. Well, what if the Nats get him and want to play him? Bad example because the, honestly, their second, third, and short are all covered. So yeah. hang on, hang on. Let me. I I can't really find one because I think even Pittsburgh has their second, third, Oakland. and short covered. Oakland. Okay, there you go. Oakland gets him. Are you drafting him in a nail only, Jeter Downs? I'll throw a dollar or a reserve. Okay, yeah, okay. fair enough. You put you, you said you say you go for it. That's yeah. fine. Okay, I accept that. We spent a lot of time on Jeter Downs there. Let's move on to a former Red Sox here. I didn't even mean to like chain link some of these uh, relationships here. We went from you know one t- the two Carloses and then the Dodgers to the Red Sox to a former Red Sox. No more chaining after that. But we got Andrew Benintendi signing with the White Sox for four hundred and twelve years. I've been a Benny guy. For most of his career, five years is tough for me, man. And this is part of why I thought Dansby Swanson was going to get a grip and, and get over 200 milli because the market's been hot. He gets five years, 75 mil, which 15 mil per year is not crazy for Andrew Benintendi because he adds defense speed. He was, you know, even in the, the mediocre year of 2021 when he put up a 105 WRC plus 1.7 war, that's essentially worth 15 mil. Uh, the, the dollar translation that we had was 13.7 mil. So the, the, the 15 mil a year doesn't necessarily bother me. It's the five years for an, a 28-year-old Andrew Benintendi who doesn't stay healthy. He had his healthiest year in his rookie season back in 2017 with 151 games. He did get two more 600-plate appearance seasons right after that, but it was 148 and 138 games. He missed most of the 2020 shortened season and then 134 and 126 games the last two years. So... I, I like him. I root for him. I'm a sucker for guys with great plate approaches, but five years is tough. What did you think when you saw Benny going to the White Sox? I was surprised. I was surprised he got five years. I thought, I mean, I thought he'd maybe get three years or something like that. Um, do, you, do you think maybe like there was a lot of fours out there or maybe even a three and they came in with five because they, they want defense in the outfield so badly? Well, I think part of it is like if you have listened to the pod this offseason or done any drafts this offseason – the outfield sucks. Yeah, that's true. And it's that's not just not a fantasy just, thing. It's not just a fantasy thing. It is, in generally speaking, outfield is bad right now. It is. Um, so, and you're also like, you know, especially when we start talking about guys who like are good defenders. Um, it, his defense has rounded out, a, a, you know, t- toned down a little bit the last couple of years. Last year, he was 59%. Tentile and outs above average, which is still better than what they had out there, right? Outside of Robert, I'm talking the corners. So Benintendi should be a value add over an Eloy or a Vaughn there defensively. Yeah. Well, and he, here's the thing: like they were in a really rough spot in terms yes, they of were. like like what they were potentially going to have to run out there, and there's really just not a ton left on the market unless you want like a you know what a Jerks and Profar. Is out there and who, who I like, but yeah, um, no, you, you have to trade at this point for them to get an impact guy. Yeah. So maybe they saw him as as 
you know, the last last one standing to make a defensive impact while still being a good hitter, right? He's a plus hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, even with the power when outage. Else, yeah, when, when else he is, he, you know, he's 122 WRC plus last year. Like, mm-hmm. when and that's what shit power. He has yeah. an 095 ISO, Benintendi, but he was able to put up a 122 because he gets on base and he gets base hits. So yeah. it's not super fantasy relevant because you don't get the pop, but he did have eight steals as well. So he gives you a little chip in with the average. I think you should just plan for like 11 homers, though. I wouldn't I wouldn't plan much higher than a low double-digit homer total just because of where the power's been lately. Even though it's a good park, I would still lean It's a much better park side. than where he was at last year. Especially KC, so, yeah. Um, I should look up his X home runs and see what that would have translated as. Uh, and as for right, by the way, for uh, for left-handers, excuse me, he's a left-hander. The last three years, it's the third best park factor for homers. Great American Angel Stadium are the two ahead of it, and then guaranteed rate there in third. KC, it third worst. Um, so there you go with with Benny. And if he's yeah, he would have he would have had ten home runs, doubling his numbers. Yeah, in Chicago. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you could probably pencil in like 13 home runs and ten eight or eight, yeah, eight to ten stolen bases. Yeah, depending and on volume average. Um, but a bowl of runs, because I think it looks like he's going to hit second yes. in this lineup. It's still a pretty darn good lineup yeah, at the top. So I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think this is a bad signing for him at all. It's a great signing for his fantasy value. Um, it's probably about as good of a signing as you could have gotten. So yeah, and um, it's not horrible for them. It was, the five just surprised me, but if he can find some late twenties, early thirties health, this deal could pan out really nicely. Because again, yeah. even as a league average hitter, he seems to do enough with the hitting and or with the speed and defense, base running and defense, to where he can easily be a two win guy, and that's worth fifteen easy. An accumulator, so, he can be an accumulator, which is yeah. fine. Let, let, let's keep Benny healthy, and then he can he can accumulate. Uh, Michael Brandt, accumulators. Yeah, speaking of accumulators, when they're healthy, who can do a lot of a lot of good as long as they're on the field. Michael Brantley headed back to Houston, probably snuffs out those uh, Dalton Varsho to Houston trade discussions. Um, what does this do with Alvarez? Then though, they they want to keep him playing the outfield. That's the part that surprises me here. Or Brantley himself, either one. I, either I, I think it's I think it's Brantley. I don't. Well, you either got the thirty-six-year-old or the guy with thirty-six-year-old knees. Yeah, uh, maybe they switch off. Maybe they're maybe they're like you know, and we'll tag um, team effort there. So I mean, I don't mind like Brantley again. We just got done talking about it. that. That's Benny. That's Benny's dream is to be Michael Brantley, right? Like that's kind of yeah. the perfect outcome would be to be Michael Brantley and find some uh, find some health and be be good. He remained good last year. Uh, in his 64 games, he just wasn't healthy last year. But 288, 370, 416 for Michael Brantley. Excellent plate skills, more walks than strikeouts. Is he somebody that you think can get back to 500 plate appearances, which he did have in 2021? I, or are you projecting I, him more in like the 430 range? Yeah, I think I think I would probably project the 400-ish for. Four to four fifty, something like well, good. that. Good, that matches his ADP right now, which is four fifty. I do think there was probably some concern that he would retire, so that's yeah. gonna go up. And again, yeah. uh, he could go up a hundred picks, maybe even one hundred and fifty. I could, I could see Brantley being a top three hundred pick now, um, now that he signed in back in Houston. But let's just put him at three fifty. Let's move him up a hundred spots, and that puts him in line with Mark Canha, Avisail Garcia, Jerkson Profar. Leody Tavares, that kind of makes sense, right? 
I mean, yeah, they, they all do different things, but he's in that vein of, hey, I need an outfielder. And if you need average, you go for him. If you need speed, you go for mm -hmm. Tavares. If you need pop, maybe you go for Avisale. That feels about right, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Then we, I don't think we need to belabor that with Brantley. Let's keep going here. I have a lot of smaller moves the rest of the way here, so we'll rapid fire him a little bit more. Joey Gallo signs with Minnesota. I know Minnesota fans are reeling after not getting Correa. They really wanted their club to, to get that foundational piece, especially after having him last year. He was a really good fit. Obviously, Gallo does not replace that in any way, shape, or form, but that is their big move right now. Um, unless they start getting into the trade market, Joey Gallo in Minnesota, does that intrigue you at all? He's coming off of a, you know, pretty rough year there. Obviously he got run out of New York. Fans were just done with him. He's, he found a little spike when he first got to the Dodgers, but I think some mm -hmm. people might be thinking that he did a lot better there than he, than he did. He did, he did go he went from an 82 to a 91 WRC plus still pretty bad. He actually struck out more with the Dodgers. It's just that the fans weren't crapping on him every five seconds. So it felt like Gallo did better, but he really didn't. Where are you at on the 29 year old Joey Gallo in Minnesota? You know, what's crazy. Last season was his highest zone contact percentage in the majors. And it was awful. It was one of the worst in baseball. And he still came 40% of the time. Yeah, because his zone contact was 73.3%. Uh, that is awful. This is just who he is. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. I, I don't see a path forward. No, uh, I mean, maybe different. the reduction in the shift. I'm not going to say ban the shift. Or That's the right. Because it's yes, not a we've banning. been very careful about saying I, I just said this multiple times in my chat this morning. Um, maybe that helps him a little bit. Um, and a little bit could go a long way for somebody like Gallo, right? True, because if he's hitting even 220, which he hasn't been over 200 since 2019, when he spiked that big BABIP against lefties that helped him to a 253. Uh, that was crazy, by the way, but we, we knew that was coming down. Uh, he's been at 181, 199, 160 since then. He's a guy that if he can get to a 200 average, that could be enough. But that's a that's a big jump at this point. That's, that's 60 yeah. points from where he was this past year for Joey Gallo. Is there enough power for him to out-hit, say, a 190 average? Like, can I mean, his projection is 188, Justin. We don't usually see that for guys that have – you know, foolish seasons of projections. <laughs> He's got a 414 steamer plate appearance projection with a 188 average for Gallo. We just don't see shit that low. Um, is he winding up on any of your teams? I know you've taken guys like this in the past, hoping to spike something, but that's usually with guys like a Will Myers who's hit for some average before. You were just done. You just got done saying that it's not in the cards for Gallo. So do you even mess with this guy in your drafts? In like a DC where like I'm so light on power, but like even. Um, even with a guy like Gallo, like it, like you can get another Gallo at you know, Patrick Wisdom later on. Like, yeah, I mean, like who at uh, least feels like he has more potential there. And you talk about cheap picks, four fifty four right now for Gallo. And it's, I think the problem becomes, will they platoon him? Like right now, we have him scheduled to be in a platoon on roster resource um, with the righty version of himself, Miguel Sano. Uh, no, well, Sano's a free agent. Oh, that's right. Um, that's right. That's so, right. me. Uh, with like um, garlic, Kyle garlic. Oh, Kyle garlic. Okay, that actually makes sense as a as so, a perfect platoon. Uh, which is funny to me that like he's a platoon risk when you talk about like he's awful against righties and lefties. Like he's just awful. Like he, yeah, you know, you're just platooning him because you go well. He's this hitting. Is an easy... this... Yeah, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. He's, like, just... he's hitting this against lefties. Well, he's only hitting like 15 points higher against righties. So, yeah, like, it's just an easy way to get him out of the lineup. 
you know, and just be like, okay, we're just going to at least platoon him because this is not working. So, I mean, being I don't on, think either of us are in on Gallo, really. Not really. I mean, what's his ADP? 454 in the last four DCs there. And I already know that you're taking your boy, who the next outfielder off the board is Joe Adele. And I know you'd rather have him a thousand out of a thousand times, no? I don't know, because I think Gallo at least has a path to playing time. Does Adele? True. True. Um, no, he doesn't. Um, what about your boy, Will Myers, who is unsigned right now, but he's a 457 ADP? Yeah, I think I'd probably rather have Will Myers. Um, you know, AJ Pollock has garnered some interest. He's yep. going, you know. Uh, you know who I'd rather have? You know who I'd rather have? Jack Sawinski. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. Like, he goes 458. He's he's down in this area with the Pirates. Remember, he had a little bit of an all-or-nothing power spike there that made him a fun pickup for a little while that actually didn't pan out. Most people missed the homers that he got, and then by the time you had him on your roster, he wasn't really doing anything. But I would rather take a shot on somebody like that who might also platoon, who strikes out too much. But he uh, he's doing what we are hoping Gallo can get to. He hit 202 with 19 homers and 372 plate appearances. That's the kind of shit that we're desperately hoping Gallo can get back to. So I'd rather have Jack Sawinski. I'm just not taking Gallo. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Um, this one isn't official, so scheduled to change. Drew Smiley maybe going back to Chicago. I saw it reported on Trade Rumors, but it's not. They, they wrote it like it was official, and then I went to their uh, um, roster resource, and he wasn't on there yet. So it's not done but uh, apparently they're close to a deal as of yesterday morning so if that doesn't happen we'll obviously reassess when when smiley is somewhere else but i want to talk about this not so much for smiley but if he if they do sign him they're garnering a lot of depth which really puts a cramp on some of the guys that people are intrigued by namely keegan thompson and um uh, hayden wesneski both of whom are currently penciled out of the rotation. Adrian Sampson, we have penciled in as a fifth starter, but even if, if the Drew Smiley thing happens, then even Sampson is out, I think, with Smiley and there with Stroman, Tyone, Hendricks, and Steele. So how do you feel about this if the Smiley thing does come to fruition? Does that take you off of the Thompson and Sawinski, or Thompson and Wesneski things at all? I mean, I don't think I was really in on them to begin with. I was pretty low on them. Oh, I like um, both of them. Yeah. I mean, Thompson, I think, is, is interesting to me. Um, you don't like Wesneski? He's okay. Like I, I really mean, like. Him. I, I know. I know he was good last year, but man. like his minor league track record was pretty ugly. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, a little bit of some walk issues at the higher minors, yeah. but he had swing and miss. He's got some swing and miss, yeah. man. I will say this. You know, they 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 obviously brought in Swanson, who we just talked about. Um, the Bellinger signing is not a game changer. He's he's obviously more of a lottery ticket. But with the pieces they already had, Horner, Hap, Suzuki, uh, Matt Mervis, who we saw at AFL, and this depth of pitching, I'm not going to sit here and project the Cubs for a playoff spot, but I think they're going to be a, a good bit more competitive. They were one of those like standard bat issue bad teams last year. 74 wins, that's like a run-of-the-mill mediocre bad season. They're not that far off here, and obviously you can never have too much pitching. I'd rather have Keegan Thompson or Wesneski in the rotation, but they're already they're already running seven deep. So if they get Smiley, who obviously is a very big health risk, but that's still eight deep off the top for the Cubs. Mm -hmm. So it's a bummer that those guys that I like might not pitch as much, but the Cubs as a team are a lot more intriguing these days. The, the Cubs as a team could be a team that signs Eric Cosmer. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if they did that and uh, screwed over Mervis? Well, I guess no, no. I, I, no I, I, yeah, I think yeah, Rivas, right? Yeah, Rivas. Yeah, yeah. I think we have Alfonso Rivas currently penciled in at first. 
Um, the DH. Uh, but yeah. yeah, to platoon with P. But that feels like a Cubs type of no oh right God, there. If they do that, dude. I swear to God. Especially because he's he's free, right? Like he's yeah. The Padres. I mean, that's the funny so, thing right. about the Red Sox DFAing him. He was that's free for them. I was surprised they did that. Like that's why were, that's why it was so funny that that they did it because he was already free. So that is wild. But um, are you interested in Smiley at all? While we close the book on that one, not really. He's a streamer. He's somebody I don't yeah. draft. I'd rather pick up in season and kind of play the streaming mm-hmm. game. Uh, Trevor May to Oakland, uh, good guy. I'm, I'm a little bit friends with him on the internet, so I'm always rooting for him. Curious if you think he could close out there in Oakland. I know you were up for the closers job, so you're probably upset about this. Um, but I know you're going to shift back to just playing offense for the A's. Uh, do you think Trevor May takes that closers role in Oakland? Um, yeah, I do. And what, so do you'll it. be you'll be drafting him as such, like a closer. Three oh, I mean, I think I think it's kind of dart throw you threw on guys like Daniel Bard last year. Yeah. you know, closer three. Like if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. Like they've got a handful of guys who could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think but, May has probably. He's the maybe best. not the best upside, I, but I think, oh, yeah, I think no, he's the best talent, but not the best upside because yeah. he's 33. I, I get you there. Yeah. Like Puck, Puck, I still think, he, has the best upside. I think he's like their best flipping opportunity, too. So like, yes. I think if they can get him 10 first half saves or 15 first half saves, they can, you know, send him to whatever team needs a closer for the stretch run, you know, and not have to give up Puck, you know. Yeah, oh, for a C plus B minus prospect. You know, his skills 19% strikeout minus walk rate last year, 13% swinging strike. He misses bats. Yeah, he's he's good, yeah exactly. Because the health was the piece that really got him last year. And he even talked about this on his stream. His numbers blew up in a in a few outing stretch where he said he pushed himself when he shouldn't have and he and he regretted it. Um, and he clearly wasn't himself. He had like some bad Homer issues that really took him out and pushed his ERA up to 504. And Homers have been an issue throughout his career. Hey, there's no better park than uh, than going to Oakland to, to help a yeah. home run issue. So Trevor May is an interesting deep league closer throw. Um, Adam Frazier to Baltimore. The main reason I want to talk about this, not so much about Frazier because he's really an AL only type of play. Are you worried about what he might do for your boy, Jorge Mateo? A little bit, yeah. Um... I think at least to start the season, I think it probably hurts uh, Ramon Urias. That's uh, what I think should happen because we currently have Gunner penciled in at short, Urias at third, and then uh, Frazier at second, Mateo on the bench. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Well, and Urias is coming off of a sur- surgery. He's supposed to miss like most of spring training, I think. So and I think- the last mining the news said uh had a note that said Urias is moving off of third and he's going to be more of a mix and match so i know i'm not like roasting jason or anything but i think when he sees that note he needs to update i think you put frazier at second gunner at third and mateo at short mateo for all his foibles as a hitter which he has many he's a brilliant defender last year yeah and like i mean a true shortstop he was like yes i know he's like not a very good hitter hitter but like great second half though yeah, like he hit for power and he stole a lot of bases. Like he's he's a scrappy guy. Like even if if Mateo loses his starting job at some point, like I think he's a super utility guy. Like you know Jonathan VR type. Yes. Um, in, where, in a like, weird way, um, by the way, I said second half. He did tank in September after a good mm-hmm. July and August, but uh, he did have those two excellent months. In a weird way, are you maybe hoping that Mateo is penciled out of the lineup so you can get him on the cheap? Yes, because he's that would tank his price right now. What's that? Like, I'm sorry. He's way too expensive. Right yeah. So this this would really mitigate 
uh, the excitement and price on Mateo. So if you like him, you might actually be pulling for the negative here uh, just for the benefit of his price. He's at 202 right now as a premium man. And I wrote him up in the forecast. And that's dropping. It, it, I have mine sorted from uh, from mid-November on. Okay. Uh, and it was at one, 180. So yeah. it's already so dropping. He picks down. Let it continue to drop, and I'll start getting interested because, like, I can't rationalize taking someone with his bad of plate skills. I know the speed is a premium yep. and stuff like that, but, um, like, I can't take him over a Jonathan India or even a Brandon Nimmo or can't do it. Mitch Hanager. Like, so, um, I'd have to be desperate for speed. That's the thing. Yeah. I would have to be desperate for the speed at that point because otherwise, and, like, if you're desperate for speed, like, why take Mateo top 200 ish? when you can take Miles Straw at pick 420. Like, like they're the same player, like, you know? And I think Straw, like, at least defensively. Well, will... I wouldn't say same. Mateo has a little bit more punch. Sure, but, but like, flaws, you don't like, care about Mateo's punch. Like, you really yeah, if, you're, if you're desperate for speed, the punch is not a deciding yeah. factor. That, that's, that's a fair point. I would rather take, like, a C.J. Abrams, um, yeah. you know, and bet on his upside 40 picks mm -hmm. later compared mm -hmm. to Mateo. So this might actually help him if the if the rumor out there starts to be like, oh, he might not start, and the people will get him back to a more fair price. Because right now it's a premium, and I just don't want to pay that for mm -hmm. um, uh, Jorge Mateo. The Mets signed Omar Narvaez, which, again, I'm less concerned with that move and more what it does for the team. They now have three catchers. They have Narvaez. Oh, they have Thomas Nito still. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they have Narvaez, McCann, Nito, and Francisco Alvarez, and everyone's all giddy on Francisco Alvarez saying he's going to DH. I disagree. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach is is going to DH. What what's going on here? What what are they what are they doing? Are you out on Alvarez? There, there's got to be another move coming. Like has to be, but even that won't clear it up. Even one, I I, I was coming in with three. They got four, like you said. So even one move doesn't clear it up. What what are you doing with this situation here, as it relates I'm, to? To Alvarez, Stay, because that's what I'm we'll staying away from all of it right now. Like, and yeah, you have to remember too. that Alvarez in most formats is not going to be catcher eligible. And with Jay um, Langoliers, so you got to wait to get mm -hmm. that catcher eligibility. Which with most positions, I don't care. With catcher, that's a real big deal. I don't want to draft three catchers in, no. in a non-draft champions type of thing. Like in, in draft any champions, sort of, it's fine. But, yeah, you um, just wait. But but in yeah. anything else, I don't want to do that. I think I'm out and on Alvarez with, this year. With Alvarez, like, what if it doesn't come? What That's if this thing. actually does mean he is the DH, and now he is just a DH um, that splits time with Vogelbach uh, and other guys? And are we uh, sure he's like up from day one? I don't think we. Are. He can't be right now. Yeah, there's no way you can roster four catchers. Like, no, they, no shot. They need they need to move at least one, maybe two, at least um, two. I would think. And yeah. No one's taking on that McCann contract, so they're going no, to so it has to be contract. Like, has to be Nito, and then and they what? just signed Navarez. So Alvarez exactly. You're not going to just flip. Maybe that is. Maybe they are going to trade Alvarez. Maybe that's because you can get something spicy for him obviously yeah. he's got very high upside yeah. i like alvarez the player don't get me wrong when i say i'm out folks i'm talking in fantasy drafts right now i can't do it because it's too sketchy overall i like this kid he's 21 next what, year though? like this team is like solid what do they need like, you're saying yeah I, yeah I don't know i don't know exactly what it would they've be. got too many rotation pieces their mm. bullpen is pretty and you're not trading him for a reliever you're not you're no. not trading alvarez for and that would have to be a third baseman 
Batty. Like, why would you block Batty? That's true. I was looking at Eduardo Escobar. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't have an answer. I don't know what's going on. So even when the Mets uh, are I, good, I think it's, I think they're it's still messing. Like, what's that? It, maybe it's an elite left fielder or something like that. Yeah, maybe like, just yeah. like a premium outfielder because uh, Mark Canna, who I do like, he he's not immovable. In fact, you might actually like him as a four corners uh, sort of rotator rotating guy. He play left. Uh, not four corners, that would mean third, but like left, right, first, DH type of thing where he just bounces around because he's also not a super healthy guy at age 34. So maybe unless, something like that. Unless, let's bring it around full circle. It's Alvarez and Beatty for Rafael Devers. For Rafael Devers. There we go. I wish that would have been our last thing. We do have two more small moves, but that would have been a perfect <laughs> way to close it with the full circle. But hey, Something's got to give there. Mets fans, if you are clued in on something, let us know. Because when I saw that, like I said, I forgot about Nito. Now that it's four catchers, I don't have any idea what the hell's going on. Let's talk about two small moves that the Rockies got rid of. Players that we've, uh, you know, bragged about, or not bragged about, got, um, gushed over on this channel quite a bit uh, at times. They're both leaving Colorado, which undercuts them. But you made an interesting point about the first guy. We'll talk about Connor Joe being traded to Pittsburgh. And I said, well, you can't get a much worse move than that. Except what did you bring up to say, hey, actually, there's one small silver lining here with Connor Joe going to Pittsburgh. And that was? I, I think it's a greater path to playing time. Um, I, you know, I mean, like, he was weirdly not getting playing time in Colorado. They gave um, up on him. Yeah. And we projected, or Ross Resource projected him to start the year in the minors. Um, and so if that's actually would have been the case, then yes, they should have gotten rid of him and gotten something in return. They did. Um, let, me, let me give you your dub on him, by the way, too. You were not a huge Connor Joe guy, and I was arguing pretty hard for him, saying, you know, he's going to play. He's Colorado. He's a good hitter. He sucked last year. So I'll, I'll take the L on that. You got the dub. Seven homers, six steals. 238 is the thing. The one thing I would have told you that I was dead set on was that he was going to hit for a good average, especially in that ballpark, and he just didn't. Yeah. So he simply wasn't that good. Um, he, he's not guaranteed a starting role in Pittsburgh, but when I texted you that and I said about, oh, well, him going Colorado to Pittsburgh just murders him, and you're like, well, he's got a much better chance to play, and I do agree with that. Even though we don't have him penciled in to start right now, um, the aforementioned Jack Sawinski is not guaranteed to, to Cal hold him Mitchell, off. Like Cal Mitchell. Like – uh, even G-Man Choi, who I like and I think is going to be decent, Joe could get some first base run there uh, against lefties. So there might be a better path to playing time. He's really an NL-only type guy, if anything. He's uh, got to raise the launch angle. Like, the, yeah. like it, what happened was he's just – he still made a lot of contact. Like, he still had almost 90% zone contact, but it was so much it was in the ground. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then our other one, a long time, a long time sleeper in the bus guy, mostly bust, uh, very, mm -hmm. very rarely sleeper. Garrett Hampson, he's gone. Finally out of Colorado. We have, we don't have to keep pretending that we're interested in him. He's going to Miami. Uh, do you have even a shred of interest in this? <laughs> I mean, they already have an older version of him in John yes, Birdie, right? Yes, like, that's, that's the problem. The part that's weird. Are they really going? Like, I think if Birdie gets hurt, then you go, oh, maybe Hanson can take that role. Um, I, I think know. I would like Charles LeBlanc even more, though. Yeah. This, this is a minor league deal, by the way, too. So, this is like yeah. he is buried again, but I had to bring him up because we've talked about him so much. Pouring out for our homie, yeah. Yeah, pouring out for him. Yeah, I don't even think you need to consider him an NL only. He could be an in season pickup if things change and you needed some speed. But other than that, Garrett Hampson era, his fantasy consideration, the book is closed. So, 
Last big uh, moves, unless we get like a trade bonanza, I can't imagine we have any more episodes that are just moves only. But this has been awesome, man. We got like yeah. four straight episodes of all. It's moves not even New Year's. New Year, like, exactly. All dude. the top thirty guys are pretty much gone. Yep. Again, like, I was reading. Perfect. I read off that list to you earlier. The best yeah. guys um, by projected WAR. The top two that are over two wins are two point six for Segura, two point three for Eovaldi. Like. There's some solid role players, and some of these guys will pop. You know, uh, Viavaldi can throw 150 innings; he can be good. Kluber, same thing. Conforto might find it again. Drury might get to another good hitting spot. You can find some pockets here, but there's no game changers on this list anymore. Yeah, and no. it's awesome that we got all this, you know, before the New Year, before Christmas, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So that's been great. A lot of moves here, lots of stuff going on. Justin, have a good week. Uh, stay healthy because you got to get your Christmas shopping done. Mm -hmm. But uh, don't don't run yourself to the bone on uh, on the projections and stuff. You got time. It's not even Christmas yet. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be working hard on them this week, hard on them next week. Uh, you know, especially with the cycle on dark, I'll have more time to yeah. just hammer out projections. Still hoping to have the majority, if not all of them, done by the new year. We'll see uh, how how uh, close I get. Uh, to that but as soon as i do um i'll have all the projections up on the patreon um including like uh pretty much like auction values for, for pretty much every format so that'll be uh that'll be awesome that is awesome we will pod friday barring sickness for either of us but then we'll mm -hmm. be off the following week so yeah have a good one i'll talk to you on friday take it easy